Hi everyone, welcome to the Black Dog Institute's e-mental health in practice podcast for healthcare professionals, where we discuss topics relating to mental health and relevant e-mental health tools and programs that can assist practitioners in providing care. I'm Phoebe Holdenson-Kimira, a GP with an interest in mental health. This podcast was recorded and produced on the lands of the Gadigal people, and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, their elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is a bonus episode from webinar 64, which was on the topic of living well with ADHD. Dr. Wee Sien Woon is a GP in Canberra and a clinical editor for Health Pathways. He undertook a Churchill Fellowship this year to explore models of care for adult ADHD to increase accessibility for diagnosis and management and travelled all around the world to visit and talk with services working in the adult ADHD space. Here, he shares with us a distillation of the state of play in Australia, some of the innovative models of care being used abroad, and possible models of care for Australia going forward. Yeah, so I work as a GP and I had this incredible opportunity of being awarded a Churchill Fellowship, which enabled me to travel overseas and to explore different models of care to enhance accessibility for diagnosis and management of adult ADHD. Um, just to rewind a bit, back in 2019, um, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about adult ADHD. It was just something not covered in our training. I had a lot of patients coming in seeking diagnosis and management, and I must admit I was a bit sceptical about the diagnosis of ADHD at that time. Um, serendipitously, around the same time, my sister, Dr. Saiwoon, was diagnosed, and this is a picture of us in Yosemite when I was doing the fellowship and I was visiting her in the United States. And I think with that diagnosis of ADHD, but she was able to recognise how her brain works and what aspects might contribute to some daily challenges, but also how to really home in on her strengths working as a vet in the US. And she's just someone I really greatly admire with her grit and her passion for life. And, you know, she single-handedly started her own vet business um, doing a pet euthanasia service by herself. So I think she's just amazing. But um, it was through my sister and my patients that I got a better understanding about ADHD and I discovered there was big gaps in care and that's what inspired me to take um, to, to do the Churchill Fellowship. Um, so this, just talking briefly about the model of care in Australia, I borrowed this diagram from ADHD WA. Um, just the previous slide, yep. Um, firstly, there's very few public clinics, so it leads most people to seek private care, which can be quite expensive. And um, the diagnostic pathways are primarily funneled through psychologists or specialist psychiatrists. And we know that treatment, there's effective and proven psychostimulant medication, which exists as first-line management, but that can only be initiated by a specialist psychiatrist or neurologist. And there's limited specialists, which results in prolonged wait times, and they can be also significant costs for patients. And you know, I've heard of patients waiting for at least a year in some, some places to see a psychiatrist. Um, Non-medical management is also very important as well. We've talked a little bit about that as well. Um, surprisingly, there's also a lack of formal education and training for healthcare providers, um, including GPs and psychiatrists. So it was through the Churchill Fellowship I wanted to look into how to make care more timely, equitable and compassionate. And I embarked on this six-week journey where I travelled through Ireland, Netherlands, Sweden, UK and the United States. I, I didn't have any contacts overseas, so I sent out a lot of emails and I met with diverse range of clinicians, health planners, advocacy and um, organisations and attended a couple of 
conferences and had many Zoom meetings. And there's many more people I met um, on my travels that aren't on this slide, but their generosity in sharing their knowledge and expertise really shaped my perspective. And I'm really grateful for the kindness and the insights that they provided. So I'll cover a few services that were interesting and stood out. Um, one that I visited was ADHD Central, which is a private clinic in the Netherlands with 10 clinics scattered across the Netherlands, founded in 2013. And what makes ADHD Central stand out is they have a very streamlined process where their diagnosis and medication initiation is done on the same day. And that's garnered a lot of interest in the Dutch media due to its swiftness of the process. Um, the waiting times are two to six weeks, according to their website. And a glimpse into their process, they need a GP referral. The nurse specialist is the main person involved in the care and they conduct the main clinical interview. Then the psychologist does the diagnostic interview and the main the nurse specialist presents all of this to the psychiatrist who makes the final diagnosis and starts medications. In the process, they also use the QB test, which is a computerised neuropsychological test uh, for the diagnosis to support that. And then once people are diagnosed, um, they immediately start a trial of medications. And then the QB test is performed again to see if there's improvement. The whole process takes about seven hours. And interestingly, the, the clinic reports that people um, assess 15% um, of them are not diagnosed with ADHD. And so once medications are started, people undergo a titration process over 10 to 12 weeks, and um, that's with the nurse specialist. And patients also start up CBT in this process if they're interested. And as part of the Dutch system, once they're stabilised on medications, they're sent back to the GP. Uh, next slide, please. So in Ireland, I came across ADHD Ireland, which is the support and advocacy organisation. They have a really strong working partnership with their public health system. And what stood out was the UMAP program, the Understanding and Managing Adult ADHD program, which is delivered by ADHD Ireland. It's an online webinar delivered in group formats, and it dives into psychoeducation and acceptance and commitment therapy principles over six weeks. It's led by a psychologist with lived experience, um, Eileen Cohen, um, and there's no cost to the consumer. It has a very neuroaffirmative approach, which is really important and we've discussed before, and it really shifts from the um, person trying to fix themselves to encourage self-acceptance and understanding their neurodivergent needs and how to thrive with ADHD in everyday life. And what's fascinating is individuals can self-refer to UMAT without the need for a formal diagnosis. And given the long waiting list, it can really alleviate pressure on services and offer more timely psychological interventions and useful for those who can't afford private care. I think it also fosters a sense of community because it provides a space for people to share their experiences and in the breakout rooms. So an eye-opener was um, when I was in Dublin, I sat in with GP Dr. Amo Hanlon in um, ADHD doc, which is a private GP-led integrated clinic. And it really showed me that GPs can play that pivotal role in ADHD assessment and management. And the GPs upskilled through the UCAN UK course, and they also use UK NICE guidelines and the CADRA Canadian guidelines. And they also could still see a psychiatrist if the ADHD diagnosis was not so clear. 
In the UK, I met with um, Commissioner Margie Butler and nurse prescriber Eugene Riley on Zoom, and their service sits in Warrington in the UK, which is between Manchester and Liverpool. And we were hearing about wait lists of five years in the Liverpool area, and they needed to transform the service and workforce, which led to this new nurse-led ADHD service with no psychiatrist involvement. It was much more cost-effective to hire nurse consultants than the psychiatrist, and the setup of care is that the it was led by the nurse consultant, and there were recent psychology graduates undertaking the psychosocial assessment and the mental state exam. Non-medical prescribers, which were uh, mental health nurses, undertook the diagnostic assessment. It's really useful when they can have that expertise of differentiating bipolar and personality disorders. Um, and there's also involvement with GPs with special interests who work on a less frequent basis, but develop skills to become local champions who trained other GPs in their areas and advocated for ADHD care. Um, before attending the service, people needed to have uh, um, to have stable co-occurring conditions that were significant. And the service was also um, all virtual. So previously they had face-to-face -face consults and they had previous no-show rates of up to 50%. But when they moved to the virtual setup, um, thing, um, the no-show rates improved. Um, the outcomes from the services included timely appointments, reduced complaints. People were receiving medications and reviews in a more timely way. Just um, reflecting on my global journey exploring ADHD care, I think it's really important to have both public and private systems to increase access, especially those who can't afford it. Um, the integration of technology, especially telehealth and e-health, which we'll talk about a bit later, can um, reach people and it can still be done very comprehensively. A model that addresses and manages co-occurring conditions like autism is important given the high prevalence of co-occurring conditions. One glaring issue was the shortage of medical specialists catering to the ADHD population. And I think this gap really presents an opportunity for non-complex cases to be diagnosed and managed within primary care. And I've mentioned a few models already, you know, upskilling GPs, mental health nurses, nurse practitioners and psychologists. And also, I think there's the importance of the inclusion of other health professionals such as OT, social workers, mental health support workers, ADHD coaches, which are useful to provide that kind of multimodal care. For complex cases with things such as, you know, co-occurring substance dependence or bipolar disorder, the expertise of psychiatrists remain indispensable. Education for practitioners is lacking in Australia. Like I mentioned, the organisation UCAN in the UK delivered that personalised, specialised, that specialised education. And I think there's a role, um, you know, there's some um, organisations that are coming up and Sarah S's education company um, is really valuable in bridging that knowledge gap. And I think it's imperative that education begins in medical school and it becomes a cornerstone in training for GP, psychiatrists, psychologists. And I liken it to the you know, LGBTQI plus health. When I was in medical school, there was absolutely no training. And now, you know, it's a really important part of medical school training. And you can see the people coming out really have that um, that expertise and that um, cultural safety in providing care. I think different models of care need to be provided for different groups, such as First Nation people and culturally linguistically diverse communities. Um, there should be really individualised care, which is patient-centred, and that might mean medications or no medications, with a neurodiversity-based model, which is important. It's being led by and designed by ADHDers. Um, we talked a bit about the neurodiversity paradigm shift, and I think there's that shift from the medical model where the physician's fixing 
um, uh, you know, a deficit to society's responsibility for embracing and supporting neurodiversity. And that means broader changes in the workplaces, education institutes to provide supports and education uh, accommodations for ADHD adults to thrive. And when people um, can thrive with ADHD, they can really capitalise on their strengths and then make great contributions to society. So I think overall, it really needs to be a holistic, inclusive and collaborative approach that is needed to really reshape ADHD care in Australia. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much, Rhysian, uh, for sharing those key takeaways from each of those particular services, but also um, synthesising how we might take the best of those models uh, and implement them in Australia. And I think for me, hearing you speak about this um, gives me a lot of hope and I feel very optimistic about what the next five to 10 years uh, will hold for adult ADHD in Australia. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus podcast episode about models of care for adult ADHD. A big thank you to Weeksy and Woon for sharing your depth of expertise and experience and the key findings from your Churchill Fellowship with us. Thank you so much for listening today. Until next time. Bye.